Is there a link to the Gilgo Beach suspect and a missing woman in South Carolina? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Donald Trump's trial is going to be televised. You know how I can always tell you that a defendant own words always gets them? Let me give you an example. Let me also show you an example of how dangerous fentanyl can be. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. It is September 1st. I hope you all have a wonderful, long Labor Day weekend here in the States. Let's go ahead and open the record for September 1st, 2023. And first on the docket, is there a connection between a missing woman in South Carolina and the Gilgo Beach suspect? Well, police are investigating if there is, in fact, a connection between the Gilgo Beach suspect, Rex Huerman, and the disappearance of a South Carolina woman back in 2017. That woman's name is Julie Ann Bean, and she was last seen in Sumpner County, South Carolina on May 31st, 2017, and her daughter reported her missing on November 18th that same year. Now, a person apparently anonymously called and claimed to be a friend of Bean, and they reached out to the sheriff's office and said that there may have been a connection between Ms. Bean and Mr. Hewerman. Well, for those who aren't familiar, the Gilgo Beach murders were a series of slains that uh, spooked the Long Island, New York area for years, and 11 sets of human remains have been found in or near the Ocean Parkway in Long Island since 2010. Now, Rex Hewerman, he is the New York City architect who was arrested in July in connection with the slains of these uh, women. Uh, or at least of several women, remains were found near the Gilgo Beach, and he is considered the prime suspect in the disappearance of the fourth woman, a group that has been dubbed the Gilgo Four. Now, the victims were all believed to have been sex workers who advertised online sites, according to the police. Now, Hearman has pled not guilty to the charges, and the uh, Sumpner County officials down there in South Carolina said that the tipster did not reside in the county and provided third-hand information. But the team is going to investigate Bean's disappearance, and they've obviously met and shared the information with the FBI. The Sumpner County Sheriff's issued a statement stating that investigators have been poring over the recently received information to determine if there is any evidentiary uh, link between Ms. Bean's disappearance and Mr. Hewerman. Yet there are no confirmed facts that confirm or deny the possibility of a connection. The sheriff's office said that investigators are interviewing individuals and looking into reports that Bean may have been seen with Mr. Hewerman, and the work is ongoing, and Miss Bean's missing persons case will remain open until she is found. Now, what does this mean? An anonymous tip to a police department well, hopefully somebody has some real information that it can be corroborated. Otherwise, it's just, well, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of a false um, word to the police, uh, making false accusations, and it just wastes police resources. So hopefully it is something legitimate. And if it's not, you know, hopefully it is resolved quickly so we don't waste the limited resources of the police. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. That's right, another murder for plot case. Tatiana Remley. Now, she is apparently an equestrian rider, 
and is accused of soliciting a hitman to murder her estranged husband and uh, claims he uh, chased her around their home with a knife. Anyway, Miss Tatiana Remley further accused her millionaire husband of holding a gun to her head and at their swanky ranch home in Del Mar, San Diego, in divorce filings from back in July. She's also claimed that on another occasion, her husband was present while she was assaulted in the sexual nature at gunpoint by one of his friends. Needless to say, her husband, Mark, has denied Tatiana's domestic abuse allegations, and he says his wife of 12 years set fire to their $5 million home just days after she allegedly tried to solicit a hit on him. Now, police officials have confirmed that the home's interior was reduced to ash from a blaze and that the cause of the fire is still under investigation. Now, in one of the several court document filings related to the divorce, Tatiana states that she was present at the time the fire broke out, but that she did not know how the blaze began. Police reports indicate that the couple who were behind the doomed acrobatic equestrian show called Valitar had a volatile history of arguments and divorce filings. During the latest divorce proceedings, Tatiana's attorney said that she had been struggling financially after being asked to by the judge to bring down her spending. Now, the wife is experiencing extreme financial strain, her attorney argued, and she is unable to maintain her realistic monthly expenses of just $12,000 a month, much less than what she was accustomed to at $50,000 a month perhaps one of the reasons why they're broke. Her attorney states that she has no income and does not have the same access to funds and assets that her husband does. So desperate, Tatiana allegedly turned to a mutual friend to help remedy her situation. When he found out, now when the husband found out about the alleged hit, the husband took his concerns to the police who subsequently arrested her after a sting operation. Now the exact details of how Tatiana um, who has her husband's name tattooed to her stomach, asked for him to be killed, have not been released at this time. But needless to say, there must have been enough specificity for her to be arrested on the charges. Those charges include solicitation of murder, which she's facing additional weapons charges, carrying a concealing a firearm, not registering her name in a vehicle, and carrying a loaded firearm in a public place not registered to her. The first is a felony, the second is a misdemeanor. Now, Tatiana has pled not guilty to all charges and her bail has been denied by a judge. If found guilty on the charge of solicitation of murder, she could face up to nine years in prison. The firearm felonies charges could add an additional year to that sentence. And her next hearing is scheduled for October 16th. Obviously, we'll give her the presumption of innocence, but has anyone ever seen one of these murder for hire plots work out? No, they always fail miserably because it freaks people out and they go to the police, which kind of goes back to the general rule that we talk about here all the time. Don't kill your spouse, get a divorce. But as all great defense, as all great divorce attorneys will tell you, you know why divorces are so expensive? Because they're worth it, ladies and gentlemen. Going to prison, not worth it. Just saying. Think about it. All right, next on the docket, Donald Trump's trial is going to be televised. I am so happy about this. I am a true advocate of 
cameras in the courtroom. And the uh, Superior Court judge there in Fulton County, a guy by the name of Judge Scott McAfee, said that he would make all the president's candidates' hearings and possible trials available to be broadcast on the courts, YouTube, and several news networks. This is great because, let's face it, if you're going to prosecute a former president that's never been done before of a crime, let alone for basically trying to say they're plotting to overthrow the government, it should be televised. The people should be able to judge with their own eyes based upon what is legal and competent evidence admissible in court, not just a bunch of TV pundits talking about it in the courtroom. And let's face it, if the prosecution proves its case beyond a reasonable doubt, it would be the solemn oath and obligation of those jurors to find the former president guilty. And if the government fails to prove their case, it would be the solemn oath of those jurors to find uh, Mr. Trump not guilty if the government has not proven their case. And my guess would be there will be some people that will ignore whatever evidence it is and just say somebody's guilty, somebody's innocent, it doesn't matter what you say because they have drank the Kool-Aid from whatever perspective. But I think most people are reasonable and they would like to see and hear for themselves what the evidence is that they're trying to convict the president on. So it's going to be televised and that will be good for the country. The president did waive his appearance um, at an arraignment. So a not guilty plea has been entered um, by his attorneys. So when that trial begins, we will be able to see it. Now the court noted uh, and the judge put in his ruling and he stated that the state inspector general said that he will allow broadcast news outlets to station pool cameras in the court where stations will be able to combine their resources and share camera access. And citing the actions of a fellow Fulton County Superior Judge who live-streamed key parts of the Georgia probe against Trump in 2020, Judge Robert McBurney McAfee on Thursday said the newscast, the new case will be no different. In line with the spirit of transparency here, McAfee said, we have followed Judge McBurney's model and we have been live streaming all of our major proceedings on a Fulton County provided YouTube channel. And our plan is to do the same with this case as well. So there's going to be a YouTube feed the entire time. The judge also noted that if the number of attendees grows, a larger courtroom may be necessary and will be um, requisitioned accordingly. Uh, none of the defense and uh, prosecution appeared in court to oppose the ruling, which came after several news stations and publications requested there to be cameras. So that is a good thing for America. Let's see the evidence. Let's not have a bunch of partisan political hacks giving us the story on one side. Let's see what they're relying upon. Let's make sure that it is legal and competent evidence admissible in court. There's a big difference, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of things what you can you think, you believe, it only matters what you can prove in a court of law. Next on the docket, yes, the defendant's own words always get them. I tell you that all the time. But in this particular case, you kind of have to admire this defendant's candor. So this is a case from Boulder, Colorado, just up the road, about 12 miles here from the Crime Talk Studios, uh, where a case where a 27-year-old man uh, was arrested after he allegedly killed his roommate in a bit of a gruesome fashion, which included stabbing him multiple times and leaving him for dead. 
in what authorities described as a somewhat massive pool of blood. So Garrett Lindenberg was taken into custody on Tuesday and charged with one count of first-degree murder after deliberation um, with a, a deadly weapon, according to the Boulder Police Department. Now, on uh, Tuesday, police responded to a call about a domestic disturbance at the home. Upon arriving at the home, the police said that they located an adult male who appeared to be suffering from multiple stab wounds. Hmm. The victim, who had not been identified yet, was pronounced deceased on the scene. According to police, Littenberg lived in the home with the victim, and he was taken into custody and charged with the murder. When police first arrived at the house, they found the door open and observed footprints that led from the first floor living room up, to the, up the stairs to a second floor of the home. Upstairs, police could reportedly hear Littenberg, who was yelling that he was unarmed and was coming out and his hands were up. He then came out, as stated, and police said that he was shirtless and both of his arms were covered in blood. In an upstairs bedroom, police reportedly found the victim on the ground, lying in a massive pool of blood, his own blood to be exact. He was surrounded by knives and a flannel shirt wrapped around the victim's neck and head. In an interview with the police, one of the Littenberg family members reportedly said that the victim called them to say that Littenberg was not acting right. And immediately after that, the family member reportedly said that they heard muffled voices and what sounded like Littenberg screaming about Putin, rape, and a bunch of other complete gibberish. Now, the family member then got the opportunity to talk to Mr. Littenberg directly. And in response to several questions about what the heck is going on there with your roommate, the family member said that Littenberg responded by saying, don't worry about him. He's dead. I killed him. Well, a second family member who was also on the call reportedly told police that Littenberg said, I killed him. I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. Well, yes, bad statements. Whomever this young lad gets as an attorney is going to have some problems. Now, certainly with the whole gibberish thing, they could maybe raise some competency issues. Who knows there? But, you know, he's dead. Uh, I'm going to prison certainly makes you think that you're aware of what's going on and you knew what you were doing. So competency is probably off the table. Certainly admission by a party opponent, i.e. a confession, it's coming in. And there are no Miranda issues whatsoever because he wasn't in custody and he wasn't talking to the police. It's They just bring in the family members to say what he said. I guess if those family members don't want to testify to that in court, they should probably take a vacation somewhere. We're certainly not doing that. But yes, they must be served uh, by a subpoena to get there to court or unless they come voluntarily. But it's always the defendant's own words. That's right. I've had people pick up the phone, call 911 and said, I'd like to report a crime. Well, what is it? And they tell them what they did and they tell them their name and they tell them how they did it and that they're holding, they're holding the weapon in their hand. And they go off on other little things like I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. Bad fact. I don't care how many attorneys you have, how good the attorney is, Sometimes those facts are just a little too much for the defense to overcome. So we, miss, we wish Mr. Littenberg well. We'll obviously give him the presumption of innocence, which he is entitled to, but certainly some bad facts. Next, let me give you an example of why fentanyl is so dangerous. So police in South Carolina um, busted a young woman 
with more than a kilogram of fentanyl, which would be enough to kill over, well, half a million people. So deputies had been um, following or surveilling Caitlin Lee Abernathy under surveillance for suspected drug dealing. And the deputies conducted a traffic stop uh, in and around the Spartanburg area, and a canine dog alerted the officers that drugs were in the car. The search uncovered 941 grams of suspected fentanyl. Now remember, a kilo is 1,000 grams, so she's 59 grams short of a full kilo. And then they found 20 grams of suspected crystal methamphetamine, and to make matters even worse, that's right, they found a pistol and a rifle. And what do we always say here in Crime Talk? That's right. Firearms complicate everything. Well, needless to say, based upon that little finding, deputies then obtained a search warrant for a storage unit that Ms. Abernathy used, and they uncovered another 531 uh, grams of suspected fentanyl, three handguns, and four long guns as well. The hits just keep on coming for Ms. Abernathy. Well, needless to say, she was arrested on charges of trafficking methamphetamine, trafficking fentanyl, and possession of weapons during the commission of a violent crime. She was taken to jail where she's being held without bond. Homeland Security investigations are uh, currently uh, looking into whether it's going to be a state case or a federal case. Miss Abernathy, you're going federal. I, I trust you. Trust me on this one. Anyway, the uh, court records also show that Ms. Abernathy was arrested three separate times on various drug-related charges just in the last year. Now, just for a little bit of information as to how dangerous this stuff is, the Drug Enforcement Administration said that in 2021 that a kilogram of fentanyl can kill up to 500,000 people, and drug trafficking organizations typically distribute fentanyl by the kilogram, according to the DEA. And last year uh, set a new record for fentanyl-related deaths. So we've got that going for us, I guess. No, it's bad. That's right. There were over 100,000 overdose deaths in 2020 uh, attributable to fentanyl. It's dangerous stuff, ladies and gentlemen, and only comes from two places. One originates in China, then usually sent to Mexico for processing. And then, well, just right across the border to the United States where, well, everybody's taking it and a lot of people are dying. So don't do drugs. Don't do prescription drugs. Don't think you're going to get good prescription drugs off the street. But I got an even better idea. How about you only take drugs if they're prescribed by your doctor? There's a crazy one, wouldn't you? And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. You know what you get when you combine a dollar store and some food, candy? That's right, our dumb criminal of the day. A confrontation the other day at a family dollar store resulted in an arrest of an armed man, according to police records. What was the weapon of choice? A lollipop, AKA a dum-dum. So police alleged that Dalton Reed was in the line waiting to check out at the dollar store in Clearwater, Florida when he got into some sort of verbal argument with the store manager. Now, Mr. Reed then allegedly threw a lollipop at the store manager as the dispute escalated, striking him in the chest. Luckily, the lollipop lick did not cause any bodily harm. 
i.e. pain, ladies and gentlemen. That's according to the arrest affidavit. But Mr. Reed was arrested for simple battery. Police tacked on a possession of a drug paraphernalia charge when a post-arrest search reportedly turned up a crack pipe in one of Mr. Reed's pockets. That's right. The police did not seize the evidence of the weapon, but I guess they don't need to. They're just going simple assault. Well, needless to say, Mr. Reed remains in lockup, um, and he can he has been unable to make the $650 bond. Anyway, he has an extensive rap sheet with probably set the uh, high bond of $650, although bond should be no greater than reasonably necessary to uh, protect the community as well as make sure that Mr. Reed shows up in court. Anyway, who doesn't love a good family dollar, Dollar Tree store? They got the best items, and um, who doesn't love it? Everybody does, right? But I've never gotten a fight with anybody there. And while I got you this, let me tell you this. I go into a fast food restaurant the other day because I'm starving, busy day of court, and it was just hot and I wanted to get something to eat. And I go into the restaurant. It was a Taco Bell to be exact. And I go in because I wanted one of those little Mexican pizzas because it's just kind of light and refreshing, right? And I go in there and a couple is complaining that their food isn't ready. They're ordering it through the pickup, the carryout. And the people are saying, well, the, 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 somebody must have picked up your food by mistake, but if you have some patience, we'll, we'll get it for you. The man said, well, if somebody took my food, I'm just gonna take this food. So he walks out stealing somebody else's food. And so the store people then go around and start videotaping him walking out of the store with, I don't know, maybe $6, $12 worth of Taco Bell food. And then literally as that's taking place, the guy who was there to pick up the food walked in and, and, and said, well, that, that was my food. And the guy drove off. And of course they called the police. And I had my little Mexican pizza and minded my own business. But I thought, what in the hell is the world coming to, ladies and gentlemen? Taco Bell, one of the cheapest food joints in town. And people are stealing from Taco Bell. All right. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, a long Labor Day weekend. We'll see you Tuesday. And we'll see you next time on Crime Talk. Crime Talk.